Thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series focused on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I am your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is the fabulous co-host, Samir Khan. What's hey, Jeremy, how's it going? What's up? Yeah. How's the weather out there? Getting Starting to get cold? It's, or? Yeah, it's getting nice. Uh, you know, it's bad that it had to come after the hurricane that hit uh, uh, the Florida Peninsula, but now it's like so much better. Uh, yeah, nice. I really felt good going out this morning. I was not even using AC. Rolled down my windows. It was awesome. Fantastic. And actually, I'd love to find out from our guest speaker today here, um, Mervin Alamgir. Alamgir, correct? That's right. And uh, you're actually out in Denver. How's it going out in Denver today? Oh, it's going great. Uh, it was, I was fortunate to be here for the first uh, snowfall of the winter season, which took place yesterday. I think everybody coming from California. Yeah, everybody who experiences snow, like I love the first snowfall, and then when it turns to that gross sludge that's dirty, then they start. Bad. You know, well, he's from California, so he he's not going to experience that. That's good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. I'll be so, out uh, right before the next snowfall, which happens this weekend. Very cool. Nice. Well, very cool. Well, let, let me let me first do an intro. Uh, let me read this off to make sure I get it exactly correct. Um, and then we'll kind of talk about your intro because I think your background is pretty unique. And, and a lot of what Samir and I do when we talk about with our podcast is that, you know, today's digital marketer, today's successful digital marketer really comes from different backgrounds. You know, some people come from creative backgrounds. Some people come from IT backgrounds. Some people come from traditional and they all try to move into that digital space. And I think you do have a unique um, path to that. So let's see. Mervin here is a marketing leader with 20 years of experience in demand gen, e-commerce, uh, digital marketing, and SaaS leadership. Uh, he's built uh, data-driven teams across multiple brands, including Tipco, Semantic, Philips, and several others. He's won several industry awards, including Pipeline Marketing Awards and Revenue Marketing Awards. So that's absolutely fantastic. Um, with that, one of the things we're going to talk about, Philips. So before, you weren't doing marketing at Philips. You were doing something else. That's right. Uh, before I started in on the marketing career path, most of my background had been in IT. Okay. Um, and in fact, when I came out of um, college, my first job was on the IT side. Um, and my first, probably the first five, six years of my career have been around IT, IT consulting. Uh, one of the startups that I was at, I was doing uh, security and network uh, architecture for data centers back mm -hmm. when um, the internet was kind of taking off in the late 1990s. And you started to see a lot of companies move their applications on, up onto the internet and build out data centers. So I had a lot of uh, experience helping to build those types and design those types of networks. So what's interesting is you and our buddy Samir have actually a very similar background. Yeah, very similar. Right. Very similar. Started in IT as well. Uh, did my bachelor's in uh, electronics engineering. Went to Vipro. Did network engineering. So yeah, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> so it's interesting to see the paths that different people take because Samir and I's paths. We started out here and we did this, and eventually, as we started to mature into our marketing world, we started to do this. Um, and it's interesting. I think you and him are following more of a similar path and me coming from a different background too. But l l let's start with that. We'll go back and forth with questions. This is how it works. And uh, let me start with the first question and then Samir can go back and we can talk about Tipco software and for you to give a, a plug for the company. 
But um, so you have an interesting journey, right? You went from marketing to IT. What was that trigger? Did something happen? Did somebody come and say, man, you got to get in the marketing space? Was it sexier? Um, did you think that marketing guys were cool like us and wanted to come <laughs> hang out with us, get out of IT? I mean, what was that trigger? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So what happened with me, I mentioned I, I went to a startup and we were doing uh, network consulting. Mm-hmm. Our startup was acquired by another company. And then at that point, I had an opportunity to actually move from more of the IT consulting side and onto product management. And it sounded like a really interesting opportunity, getting closer to being able to build products, which I always had a uh, fascination with, not only understanding what customers' needs are, but actually now having the ability to go and influence how products are designed. So I moved over to the product side, product management side, which in that company was part of marketing. And then I got Mm -hmm. exposed to a lot more of the marketing side, which was starting to become a little bit more interesting for me. Um, Then I moved over to another startup, and in that role, I actually managed all of marketing. Uh, so I had my the product side as well as the demand gen side. And that's when I started to see a lot more opportunity on the demand gen side in terms of learning. Um, and that, that was, that's, you know, when I think about triggers, a lot of the triggers for me and career-wise has been just opportunities to learn. And so as I took on that role on the demand gen side, it was at the point where websites were starting to become a lot more uh, used for searching information, finding out about products, learning about companies, whereas in the past it had been more of talking to a sales rep. So as I, as I started to see the change in how buyers were starting to look, that became a lot more interesting to me. Then on top of that, because it's all web and digital, there's a ton of data and analytics behind it. And that was, I would say, is what really started to generate a lot of passion on my end was being able to tie the data analytics side back into marketing. Nice. Yeah, because everybody has that trigger to where you're in that meeting. And and for me, I actually enjoy the personal interaction with customers. I still get that little giddy thrill of flying out to a customer's headquarters seeing the big name on the side of the building and walking in and seeing how the culture is, I still get excited about that. Even yeah. though I've already been to the Google and Facebook campus and I've seen all the big ones, but I still get excited. So for me, that's, that's the thrill of what I get, what I get to do, you know, and Samir, I guess. Yeah. I would agree. To- I mean, I, I'd also say just talking to customers and hearing personally about the challenges that they're facing. And a lot of times they're facing very similar challenges to what I'm facing in my day-to-day, and it's great to hear how they're trying to solve those same problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I think, uh, you know, kind of uh, all three of us have a very similar background. Like, we did consulting at some point. We are doing data analytics and marketing, more or less. So, to to that point, like, why Tipco? You know, tell me a little bit more about Tipco software. What do you guys do, uh, and how uh, how does, uh, you know, what, what opportunity do you see in Tipco right now? Sure. So Tipco is an enterprise software company. We've been around for a good amount of time innovating in a lot of the integration space, analytics space um, that's out there. And what we do is we provide uh, solutions that help companies string together all the various systems that they have inside of their network and in order to bring that data to a, a central location and make decisions on that data. And then on our analytics side, we help augment the intelligence that you can get from just looking at pure data. So moving away from managing your business using Excel 
and using very sophisticated data models and visualizations and, and predictive analytics so you know what's coming in the future. So that's, that's essentially what we do, and we service tons of um, different types of applications across industries like finance, travel, manufacturing, all of which that are moving to much more data-based uh, decision-making, and a lot of those are also moving to IoT type of um, environment. So you're getting, the amount of data is just exploding inside of their networks. They just need now to be able to make really strong business decisions based off of that data. So that's what TIPCO does. What's interesting for, for us is I joined about three years ago, and at that point, TIPCO's marketing uh, approach was more on the traditional side, so doing lots of events, a lot of face-to-face, -face yeah. personal type of activities. And, but we saw, and our CMO saw this trend where the buyer was not spending as much time on those face-to-face -face or talking to a sales rep, at least at the very beginning of their investigation, they're depending a lot more on what they were able to find on the web. So I, I started at TIPCO and started building out a demand generation team. So I run digital marketing here. And it was a great opportunity to really see that transformation from within a large enterprise company of a marketing organization that moved and became much more data-driven that uh, now thinks digital first in our approach to how we go and communicate to our, our, our prospective buyers. Um, that was a great opportunity and three years in, we've seen a tremendous uh, change in our approach. We've seen a tremendous change in the way our decisions are made internally within marketing. That's fantastic. Uh, so what, one more thing, and Jeremy, I'll let you ask him, like, you know, so when, when you're talking about this data and analytics challenges that you're running within the organization, first off, let's, you know, let's, if you can articulate some of the challenges and then also talk about what are the steps that you have taken to overcome these challenges? And, and, and real fast, if you don't mind with your answers, feel free to go as advanced and hardcore as you want. Our listeners really love the complicated. Sure. Stuff. Yeah. Sure, sure. So I would say the first challenge that we had uh, coming into the company, we had eight different systems, uh, eight different instances of Marketo mm -hmm. and eight different instances of Salesforce. Wow. So you can imagine only, the complexity. <laughs> you can imagine the complexity in terms of just pure data cleansing that had to go on. So um, actually one of the uh, hires that we made about three years ago also was a leader to, to lead our marketing analytics uh, program. And his first project was to clean the data. So we, we moved to consolidate all of our uh, marketing systems, our Salesforce instances, so we have a single instance of both. And then he also moved to help clean all of the data that's in there and start to put it into a data warehouse where it becomes a lot easier for us to digest. Um, so he, so one of his, um, I would say his main challenges early on is how do we translate all of this data and make it easy for the rest of the marketing organization to digest. And so once it's in the data, uh, in our data warehouse, we started looking at what are the problems that we're trying to solve within marketing? What are the questions that we're trying to answer? Uh, a lot of which is, you know, I'm trying to understand what programs are working well or what's not working well. And then going beyond just what's driving leads to understanding what's actually driving pipeline and being able to string together that connection from within Marketo down to Salesforce and looking at opportunity close. 
So that was, you know, getting getting the data clean and then getting that level of visibility was probably one of the biggest challenges that we had in our road to becoming a much more data-driven organization. Um, the second area is really understanding what are those key KPIs that we need to manage the business against. You know, on the marketing side, our KPIs are going to be very different from the sales organization, but they all have to be aligned. Um, and so understanding, you know, where are we going to target in terms of MQLs, what are we going to target in terms of our conversion rates and create those benchmarks was extremely important. Um, and once we had that, then we were able to go in the middle of a quarter and understand, are we on target for the number of leads that we need to generate for our sales team? Are we on target for the number of opportunities? So rather than flying blind uh, most of the time in the past, now we have the ability to not just understand if we're behind, but behind because of what reason? And then what are some of the, the triggers that we have to be able to start increasing the number of leads or start increasing the number of opportunities by changing around our investment? So getting that level of visibility, building up the, that understanding of our more most important KPIs, then gave us the ability to start actually pulling and, and pushing some triggers and dials on the business to um, meet the type of goals that we have. The, the third challenge that we had is around planning. And you know, once we start having all of this uh, data that told, tells us what programs are working well and it's all historical, we can start applying that to future quarters or future fiscal year planning. So as we get our budgets, now we can use much more well-informed decisions as to we want to invest X number of dollars into a, an awareness campaign leveraging Google AdWords, or we want to spend more dollars on LinkedIn, and we can predict a little bit better the kind of outcome that we should expect. Makes sense. Sounds like a, Fantastic. definitely a lot of trial and error. I mean, I, I know back in the day when Samir and I were working together, um, it, it was that battle with sales and it, I'll, I'll get back to another question, but how has your relationship been with sales? I mean, what has been the hardest parts about working with sales and getting them to trust you as a marketer? And even, yeah, even actually you, you've got the, you've got the, the two evil hats on not only to sales, you're not only the IT background guy, but you're also the marketing guy. So they double don't want to trust you. So how, yeah, how you yeah. that relationship? Yeah, that's interesting. That was probably one of the biggest challenges for me personally coming into my current roles because my background uh, at Semantic was more so on the Norton consumer side. So it was consumer-based, it was all e-commerce for the most part, and it was B2C. Uh, coming into this role in a, in a B2B large enterprise company, there's a lot of different dynamics that yeah. go on between marketing and sales, and um, and the customer it's right in the middle because marketing has a certain amount of influence on the customer. Sales yep. has a certain amount of influence on the customer. Um, one, I would say when we first started on this journey, getting to the point where we all, both sides, marketing and sales, agreed on a uh, source of truth as to this is where we're going to look for the actual numbers of what's happening in the business was a really important step because prior to that, it was, you know, marketing would go and create our own reports out of what we would see in Salesforce. And then sales would go and create their own reports. And we would both be using different filters. We would be doing different, different types of segmentation. So there's this no reason. This and mine says this. this yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it was no doubt there were a ton of areas in which we were just ships passing in the night in terms of like the numbers that were reporting out to each other. But once we did get to the point where we all agreed on this is the single source of truth for data, this is how we're all going to look at the data, this is the segmentation that we're all going to agree on, then it at least got us to a point where we had a baseline and we could build, start building a relationship so that when we started to look at trends, we can share those trends back with our sales counterparts and then they wouldn't be sitting there and spending days trying to argue back to us. They would, we would actually start getting into how can we fix what we're seeing. So that was, you know, getting that data, that, that uh, understanding of data was, was very critical for us. Um, and then on, in terms of just personal relationships with sales, sales for the most part still depends a lot on personal relationships when it comes to yeah. their customers. Yeah. And it was important for, as a marketer, to really understand that and, and communicate to them as if I was a sales rep talking to a customer. And so that once I, that mindset started to shift, um, that became, that started to drive a lot more deeper discussions and better communications with our sales counterparts. So let me ask a follow-up to that and then I'll pass it to Samir. He, he's got a, a great question about your MarTech stack, which is going to be fantastic. So let me ask you this. You've got listeners that are in the same role as you, and, and this is a piggyback off the last question. You talk about great success. I'm sure there are a lot of hurdles to come over. Give me two to three points of advice you could give to a marketer who's trying to build that relationship with sales, what can they do? Yeah, you great. So, a few seconds, go for it. You know, this is not a yeah, yeah. I would say, first of all, I would, your mindset, fix, make sure that your mindset isn't at a point where you're going to a conversation with the sales with a problem and you've kind of already identified what the solution is and you're going to tell the sales rep, go try to fix this problem, do it this way. Don't, don't go into a conversation like that. I would say go into a conversation as if you're a teacher and you're trying to teach someone else who may not have access to the same level of detail or the same views of the data that you may have. And so for them, you're actually providing a lot more insight than they typically would get from just speaking to a customer. So you're able to pull together all of these really dynamic trends that's happening within their customer base that they don't have a, any kind of view into. So I would say your, your mindset when you go into, go into as a teacher, and this is your student, you know, your sales rep is your student, and the more you can educate your sales rep around what you're seeing in terms of your marketing um, analytics, then your sales rep and you are starting to get on the, the same page. And they will start to come to the same conclusions that you are already, you know, sitting at your laptop, looking at your dashboards. You kind of already have come to these conclusions, but you need to bring the other person along on that journey. And that's, that's a really important part of just understanding the dynamic between a uh, marketing and sales uh, relationship. Very cool. No, that's okay. a very important yeah. point. I think, you know, from my career standpoint, I've seen that pretty consistently. Uh, definitely sales have their own analytics and they, you know, they, think that their numbers are more materialistic than marketing because, you know, they're always concerned about the, at the end of the day, the dollar amount. But to your point, like, you know, getting uh, a background, like, Hey, yes, we want to reach to that ultimate bookings number. But at the same time, these are the pre metrics or these are the pre things that needs to happen in order for us to get there and kind of educating to that process. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I would say the second, the second most important thing for me when at going through this, uh, building the relationship with the sales team, 
is don't go to them and take them tables and chart and like charts and Excel and Excel spreadsheets that you're going to lose them. You're going to lose them right away. And one of the, one of the ways in which we were able to get onto that same page with the sales rep is we took the data that we were seeing. We actually changed the way in which we interpret, we visualized it. So it's a much more visual way of looking at their own customer Mm-hmm. And we we plotted against time all of the interactions everybody within a specific account was taking because the uh, the common feedback that we get from sales is that marketing's not doing anything in my account. And mm-hmm. in reality, there uh, you know in an enterprise account, you may have a hundred people that are engaged in various different activities related to the marketing promotions that we're running, to the content that's on our website. But because of the way Salesforce is designed. There's a lead side, and then there's this contact and account side. And the two sides don't talk to each other. And sales plays in the contact account side, where marketing, for the most part, drives all of the activity that's happening in lead. Mm-hmm. So at, once we were able to draw these, these uh, visualizations of their account that showed an account, regardless of whether it's a lead or a contact, but an account and all of the activity, they were able to see that an account may have over the past three months, a hundred different activities, individuals yep. going to websites, downloading white papers, but they were only seeing 5% of it. And mm-hmm. once we were able to show them that picture of the overall activity and just what they see, that definitely helped get them a lot more closer to, to marketing. Interesting. That's very cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you brought up another interesting point, which is, uh, it's really hard to have a meaningful conversation if we go and prove someone wrong right off the bat by showing a bunch of you know data points. It is important to understand their perspective. It is important to where they're coming from. And I've seen this pretty consistently. If you can help a sales rep show how can he get next bigger commission paycheck, they're always going to be listening, right? They're always be eager to listen and then say, okay, yeah, tell me how, what, what can we do? So, so on the lines of similar question, in order to have the right metric and data set and the technologies talking together, you need to have a robust marketing technology infrastructure. So uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, the marketing infrastructure, marketing technology infrastructure at uh, Tipco. Yeah, so I'm, I mentioned that um, our base systems are Marketo Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And then everything else sits on top of or integrates in with Marketo Salesforce because that, that's really important for us. Um, so we have, from a, an analytic standpoint, we use Visible for our marketing attribution. Um, we use our own Spotfire visualization product in order to create our dashboards and be able to do that deep dive into the analytics that I mentioned. Um, we also have a pretty big focus on trying to draw as much data away or into the type of interactions that our customers are having. So from a content standpoint, we use uh, a, a vendor called PathFactory. And one of the main reasons why we chose that vendor for content, especially content delivery, is because they can get us a lot more data around content engagement. So they can tell us how much time somebody has actually spent watching a video. Rather than just seeing them uh, fill out a form to download a white paper, we can see that they actually spent three minutes on a white paper that on average should take about 10 minutes to read. So that level of uh, analytics is what we're looking for. So anytime we go and we try to bring on other vendors, whether it's um, data vendors or content syndication vendors, we look for what more can they provide us than purely just the, the lead information. 
um, because then we take that, that, that data, put it into our data warehouse, and get much fuller or richer pictures of a lead that tells us not only did this lead sign in, sign up, is an MEL or an MQL, but what are all the content, how engaged actually was that lead when they came in through our funnel? And that becomes really important for us um, in terms of our tech stack. The, the other piece I would yeah. say from personalization is um, we leverage, especially now that we're moving to more account-based marketing, we use uh, or try to leverage technologies that allow us to build and identify at an account level. So we use Optimizely to customize our uh, web experiences for or by account, and we use uh, vendors like Demandbase to get us that kind of rich information at an account level of who's and who's actually researching on our website. Fantastic. So uh, all these technologies that are coming together, how do you guys manage this? Like, you know, there's so much and it continues to grow. What is your uh, recommendations to our listeners and how do you manage the marketing technology effectively? Yeah, you can, you can definitely get lost in any one of the MarTech maps that are out there today. So our, our approach has always been identify what the problem is that we want to solve first before we actually go look for a technology that might be um, coming into our inbox. And that once we understand what is the problem that we're trying to solve internally, whether it's we need more engagement, we want, we want to accelerate more leads faster down the funnel, um, then we start looking at and we start talking to a lot of our peers and understanding what are, what are the technologies they're using, what are the experiences that they've had with some of the other MarTech vendors that are out there. Um, once we get a, a pretty good idea of this, probably a uh, select group of vendors we want to go and talk with, then we'll do an evaluation. And, and while we do use a lot of vendors, our uh, evaluation process is fairly deliberate. So. You know, a lot of vendors may came, came in to us and say, you know, we can close the deal within 30 days. And in reality, it might be 60 days or six, six months for that to happen because we want right. to go take a look at the product. We want to talk to other customers. We need to put together a business case internally to sell it to our CMO, to our CFO, because, you know, from a MarTech standpoint, our MarTech budget just continues to grow every year and it becomes a much larger piece of the overall expense. So it's important for us to be very diligent about how we want to go and, and spend that. And it seems like you guys are using some sort of data lake uh, to pull all that data in there and then you probably have some analytics that sits on top of that to be able to push out through uh, like a visualization of like a tableau of sorts, right? And then you just have profile IDs that are pushing to all those different uh, tools. Yeah, so we, we have a data warehouse where we pull all of our data in, so all of our Salesforce data pulls in there, and then any of these other vendors that I mentioned, we try to pull their, all of their data into our data warehouse as well, and we leverage oh, nice. APIs. Okay. So if, they, if it's a vendor that has an API, that's actually one of the checkboxes for us. Nice. Um, then it allows us to pull that data, their, their data into our data warehouse. And then we merge all the data to a single, unique view of, of a lead or individual, based off of, say, their Salesforce ID. So now we have a unique identifier across all of these various touch points sitting in our data warehouse. And then we pull that data out into our own visualization. So we use uh, our Spotfire, which is our data analytics product. And one, actually one of the interesting things that we went through as we were building out our various dashboards is that it became really important for us to make sure the dashboard was very unique to the different personas of the folks that were interested in looking at the data. Because if you try to put 
15 different tabs in one dashboard to correspond to the 15 different personas across sales, marketing, and operations that are interested in the data, then nobody's going to use your dashboard because it's, it's, it's overly complex. Mm -hmm. So uh, we went through this exercise of, you know, where product marketing creates personas externally for our customers, we created personas internally for users of our analytics. Mm, and we identified okay. within sales, you have sales folks who are actually out there prospecting versus sales folks that are responsible for actual account management. In marketing, you have operations versus campaigns versus field. And then based off of those personas, trying to define what are the most important pieces of information that they are interested in and then create those views that they will actually be very interested in going to on a day-to-day -day basis. Interesting. Oh, cool. Okay. Very, very good. So, so I got one. Um, so we just, uh, you, you talk about Marketo and, you know, we're talking about different a uh, acquisitions and consolidations recently. You saw that, you know, Adobe did the big purchase of Marketo for a whopping four plus billion dollars. <laughs> it was a lot of money. Right. Um, so, so what do you, what do you think about the consolidation of, of the MarTech landscape and, and how it's really impacting organizations like you guys. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have two views. I would say the first one is that there's definitely a positive. So I mentioned that with all the different MarTech vendors that we use, it's important for us to be able to integrate all of them so that we're not going to multiple systems to understand what how they're actually performing. And exactly. that level of integration has never been a priority amongst MarTech vendors themselves. And it's no. been on, <laughs> yeah, it's been on our own shoulders. Unfortunately, we're an integration company, so it's it's part of our DNA. We found uh, being able to take all of the the data from these vendors and drop it into our data warehouse and and uh, view the information become very important. So because the Martech vendors individually weren't doing it, we would have to do it. But mm -hmm. as a part of this consolidation, as we'll, we'll hopefully we'll start to see between say Visible and Marketo and Marketo and Adobe, they'll start to solve the problems for themselves versus leaving it up to their customers to, to solve it. Um, on yeah, the other like hand, that. you know, that's, that's definitely a positive in terms of integration of the technologies and making them easier to, to digest all of that data that's coming from them. The other end of it is, uh, you know, we, there still has to be a, space, a place out there for a lot of innovative new companies to come up and yes. solve problems in different ways uh, that, mm -hmm. you know, some of these larger vendors may not want to tackle because it's not a big enough problem for them to, to put resources against. But it's a big enough problem for us individually as companies that we're kind of solid having to patch together solutions that if there are, you know, startups out there that are trying to solve those discrete problems, that, you know, that would be definitely something that we still need. Interesting. Okay. Now, I like that. And I think if you with this <clears throat> consolidation, there is definitely a lot more emphasis on the integration piece, which has been a very challenging with the super growth and MarTech space. But mm -hmm. at the same time, what also happens is when the things get consolidated, you know, you, you as an end user and especially the leader in the business, now you're pitched multiple software from the same company, which I personally don't like. Like, hey, I'm only interested in one piece. Don't try to sell me the whole enchilada. Because I, you know, that's not going to help me solve my problem. It's just, Don't worry. I, I, I've been like, there. <laughs> We're you on the other side now. So. I, I'm on the other side now. I'm that guy pitching to people. So, yeah. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, so cup, you know, one, one last question, unless, Jeremy, you have something else. So tell me, you know, 
in the last three years or 3.5 years you have been at TIPCO, uh, you know, what have you learned? Can you share like, maybe one or two of your success story? Yeah, I mean, um, probably the first thing that I learned, having come from a B2C background, is just at that point, about three years ago, how much opportunity there was on the B2B side from a technology standpoint. Because B2C had already been fully, you know, you see e-commerce as a very big component of, of B2C back then. You see Amazon really leading the way in which uh, companies need to go and sell, shifting from brick and mortar to e-commerce. Um, you see Adobe, especially uh, about three, three years ago, with a lot of what they were doing, trying to push more of the experience, you know, the, the web, web experience that's out there. But you didn't see that so much on the B2B side. And so that was one of the changes that, you know, when I came on board uh, at TIPCO, what we, in, in, the, in the B2B world, is really understanding what are those marketing tech stacks that B2B was using. And about three, three years ago, it wasn't very much. But as you've seen over the past three years, it's really exploded. And a lot of that technology has been coming from the consumer side. So um, attribution was something that was initially started on the consumer side. It's become a much bigger business on the B2B side B2B because it's side. just so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult on the B2B side to do attribution because it's not purely an e-commerce click and purchase. It's going through these different layers of people, of touch points, and trying to understand what truly is the influence. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, the, that was, I mean, the attribution side and just understanding sales funnel from B2B to B2C was one of the biggest uh, learning points for me uh, coming into this role. And then we talked about the sales alignment and you can't underestimate just the, how important it is to have a very strong relationship between sales and marketing if you want to get and be successful in marketing. Um, and in a B2C company, maybe it's not as important because it could be more of e-commerce and it's again, point, click, purchase, you're done. But in B2B, it is, hugely important, especially when you talk about wanting to make a true impact on revenue and revenue, big deal revenue is typically going to be done through a sales rep or, or a, a individual. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, right. so I got one, I got one follow up and then after that we'll, we'll kind of do our closing here. So um, we got, I've been looking at the statistics of our viewers and our listeners. Um, we have people from all over the world. We have people from Europe, from India, from Asia, from the U S and a lot of these people, you know, different varying levels of expertise. They all want to have a place to go learn. A lot of times, uh, you know, everybody's using, you know, there's the, you can go as hardcore as the Gary V's of the world, right? Or you can go and you can watch, uh, you know, a whiteboard Friday and learn about uh, SEO from, you know, the Moz guys and all that stuff, or you can do it a bunch of different things. You can go read books. Where did you, where, what's your source of learning or if anything, what advice would you give some of these junior guys? Where do you go learn or how do you learn? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great question. So I, um, I would say there's two areas that I focused on. One is you build a really good network of people that you can go back and forth with. Um, and I, and I, have, I have to say I have a fairly strong group of uh, peers that I go and bounce ideas off of all the time. And they're the ones that, you know, you can't as an individual be in all of these different places and trying to put your finger on all the different innovations that are happening out there. But if you have a strong group of peers 
and everybody has their own finger on their own interest, then you get much broader perspective of what's happening in the marketplace. And I learn a lot from them in terms of what are some of the technologies that can help solve the problems that we're looking at or trying to solve ourselves, or how are they learning? Um, and how are they trying to pick up? And you know, what are the conferences that they're going to? And on an individual basis, I would say I do depend a lot on um, things like conferences. Uh, I would go to Serious Decisions Com Conference. I'll go to the Marketo Conference. There's a few other conferences that I'll go to, depending on the content that the, that's being shared. I'll watch uh, videos on YouTube. Um, if it's a topic that I'm, I'm very interested in, I'll take the time to be able to go and do that. And, and I'll even, you know, I, if I'll get, you know, I'll get tons of emails, I'm sure, as a result of this. But even with all the spam emails that I get that promote their webinars, the ones that have really interesting topics, I will sign up and I'll watch that. Um, so so I, I unfortunately have to admit that now I will get spammed, but that is that's the truth. I mean, emails are still an effective way to get your message across if you have a really strong value proposition and that yeah. connects to what I'm interested in. I will sign up and I'll watch it. Hundred cool. percent agree. I, I think yeah. I have a specific email just for all the um, crap that comes in. You know, just all the spam. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> great. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Jeremy, anything else? No, I think this has been great. I, I really love your perspective on it. And I, I think it's great. Um, uh, your journey to this, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, and, and the things that you guys do are definitely high level. I always, every podcast I talk about the 60, 30, 10, right? So man, he's talking about that again. You know, there's that 60% of companies who are trying to live up to par. Then there's that 30% of companies who are above par, but they know how to go further and they're just testing the waters. Then there's that 10% up there that are just hardcore and they're, and they're killing it for everybody else. You guys are up in that 10%. You guys think like you're up in that 10%. And that's what's rock star about what you guys do. You know, even just the way you speak about the things you approach, you're, you're helping other guys kind of lead the path and lead the way into 2019 and into MarTech and, and really what market digital marketing should be, you know, yeah, it, you'd no, be yeah. shocked. I mean, from, from my world doing a lot of client facing stuff, you would be shocked at how many people still live in the 60%, but in the lower part of that 60%. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially right. you in bigger companies, like, you know, some of your experiences, it's just amazing to see how, uh, how things, uh, go the other way direction but but this has been fantastic you know Marvin. i think i really appreciate again you taking the time i think this uh, podcast will provide a lot of good valuable information to our listeners and uh, you never know we'll we'll have you back again in a few months you know this has been an interesting conversation yeah great no i really enjoyed it thanks a lot for inviting me on next time do us a favor go to hawaii do the podcast from the beach i expect to see on the beach Ocean yeah. in the background with like a pina colada in one hand. That's that's yeah. Well, if we did it yesterday, I would have pointed to the window and you could see all the snow. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> or you'd be building awesome. a snowman in the background, right? That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Well, this has been great. Um, again, for our listeners, uh, Samir, love Samir and I love feedback. Reach out to us. We'd love um, for you to give us ideas on who we should reach out, who we should talk to, what topics we should discuss, and so on. We are available, and um, that's it. 
Yeah. Don't forget analyticstodaypodcast.com and make sure you leave us a reviews on iTunes. That will really help us come up with more malleable content. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Marvin. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Marvin. Thank you.